this week's number 10 with I Saw Him Standing There. And up three to nine for Morrissey, Every Day is Like Sunday. This week's number eight, Somewhere in My Heart from Aztec Camera. And a rise of eight to this week's seven for Maxi Priest with Wild World. Kylie Minogue is this week's number six with Got To Be Certain. And non-looper at five, Voyage Voyage from Desireless. Sabrina, highest climber this week, up 20 to number four with Boys, Summertime Love. With a little help from my friends, Wet Wet Wet, Billy Bragg, She's Leaving Home, it's three. And the highest new entry at number two for Bross, I Owe You Nothing. And we have a brand new number one on top of the box this week. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a car. Hear the Time Lords. And coming up in this episode, it's all about records. Stuff on vinyl. Remember that stuff? All that and more in this exciting episode of... Doctor Who and the Complete Menagerie. Almost! Now on Records and Cassette. <laughs> From Ronco. <laughs> God, do you remember Ronco Records? The Ronco. Low-quality Ronco Records. Ronco used to do stuff like, I think the, the, the movie Stardust, uh, the, the soundtrack to that came out on a Ronco record. Mm. And it's like 25 tracks, but it's not a double album. It's just a single record, not even, and like a micro groove. So you'd have on each side 12 tracks, and they all sounded shit. <laughs> thin, 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 thin gruel. Waffy thin yeah. <laughs> record. Like the VHS tapes towards the end Ooh, of the run. Terrible Ronco records. I, yeah. I have a few um, vinyls of uh, Edward Woodward singing. Um, and they are on very, very thin vinyl. Really? Yes. Did, did they sell well? Was he a, a chart hit? Um, women of a certain age adored him. Oh, really? uh, I adore him. Could, could he sing? Beautiful singing voice. Beautiful oh. singing voice. We'll seat some in now and viewers can um, all decide. I, all I know is the wicker man. Oh, God! Oh, Jesus Christ! The Lord's my shepherd, Lord <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a yeah. listen to some Edward Woodward. Oh, there we go. It's lovely stuff. I, what do you think, Charlie? Do you like that? Yes, I'm, I'm impressed. Good voice. I'd, I'd buy that, yes. Okay, good. Is it on, is it on uh, iTunes or Amazon Prime or I, whatever? It, it should be, but it isn't. But you can get, you, <laughs> you get the vinyls on eBay. <laughs> you can get the vinyls in Woolies. <laughs> From Ronco! <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got a line for you guys before oh, we get started. Right. Okay. Okay. So see if you can get this one. Here we go. Mm. Millions of people secretly believing... Think of the immense power of all these people combined together makes this place become a reality. Now, I'm going to say this one more time and I'm not getting the line wrong. And that's possibly a clue. Okay. Millions of people secretly believing. Think of the immense power of all of these people combined together makes this place become a reality. That's a lovely line. It's grammatically... Nonsense. Mm. Yes, but it's but it's nice. Mm. My first thought was invasion of the dinosaurs. Because it's so, it's so flummoxed, it must be a hard one. Well deduced, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. So it is technically a fluff. Yeah. Millions of people secretly believing. Think of the immense power 
of all these people combined together makes this place become a reality. Not the, not the cholesterol toy maker. It isn't, but I can see why you've gone down that road. Yeah. If it's a world of imagination. Yeah. That would. I thought I thought that or the mind robber. Ah, interesting. My other thought. Space museum. No. Mm. It was a bit of a stab, really. Mm. Should we, should we let that one mull rest? Mull that one over. Yeah. 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 Percolating, mm. yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, this episode is all about the joyous world of Doctor Who on vinyl. Vinyl. We all like it. And it's made a massive comeback, hasn't it? Did so, it ever go away? Well, that's the question. So that, we're going to basically go through our memories of Doctor Who on records and a few other things and, uh, as we go mm. into the time lash. Oh, but it's all arranged. Maynard and I have important things to discuss. Yes, Doctor. Prepare the time lash. Here we are in the time lash, and this time lash right now looks like Woolies in 1982. There is a wall of sound. All right. And what do we have on the walls here? Well, what was your first Doctor Who record that you picked up, guys? Do you want to go, Charlie? Well, I think it was probably The Music. Doctor Who The Music, which and I think I have a copy of here. Yeah, let's have a look. Which Muzak was on it? This was uh, at the same time as the 20th anniversary, yeah? Yes, that's right. Yes. There we go. It's lovely oh. artwork. Lovely artwork. Oh, on look at that. It's, it's got all lovely. five Doctor Who's on it. And it actually is an interesting five Doctor Who's because it's Billy Hartnell in the, on the cover and not yes. Richard Herndon. Mm. Oh, yes. But this doesn't go as far as the five Doctors. This no. finishes at Earthshock. Ah. So, uh, strictly speaking... It's 82. That should be... Hartnell, so it's correct. Yes, okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but it's, the, the cover looks, is very nice. It's a, it's a beautiful oil painting, isn't and it? And just to have the, the, the theme tune you know, at your fingertips whenever you wanted it was a real oh. kind of novelty. Yeah. So which which version of the theme tune is on the album? Is it? Both. Right. Yes, both. Uh, yeah. starts with the... No, Delia Derbyshire and Peter Howitt. I'm sure it was both. But the yeah the Peter Howell version is on there, and that was a, <coughs> that was a highlight for me. That was the standout track. That was the single, if you like. Yes, yeah. And we played that so, you know, t- till until the uh, vinyl was see-through. Yes, look at that. I bet it troubled the hit parade, did it? Did it give you no Waddy a run for their money? I've no idea, but they were giving copies away on Saturday Superstore, I believe, in the morning, weren't they? Yeah. I think uh, uh, Mark Strickson gave a copy away. Um, with Mike Reed. With Mike Reed. So. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And the copy that Mark Strickson's got is in mint condition, of course, because it's 1982. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Should perhaps mention that the uh, illustration is by uh, Ian McCraig. I didn't know who that chap was. Now, I always assumed that that was actually an Andrew Skeeter, but uh, it's not in Andrew's style at all. It's um, it's a traditional oil painting, brush oil. oil. Yes, it, yes. Is. it looks like it, yeah. 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 And what's really lovely about it is all these, uh, the, face, the five faces of Doctor Who are from completely different publicity stills. Yeah. So they're of the time. So you've got Hartnell, I think... It's like the, the five chins. The five chins. Oh, the gunfighters, Hartnell. Isn't Gunfight, it? Yes. The gunfighters, Hartnell. Pertwee, uh, three doctors. Pertwee, I think, isn't it? With the collar turned up. But what's beautiful about this artwork is the skill of the artist. Is the lighting is all coming from the same direction in the same tone. So you can see there's a lovely yellow quality. So it looks like they're together. Uh, the, the trout is uh, uh, a of fear. 
Yes. Peter Davidson looks like he's closest to the light, doesn't he? Yes. I yeah. See, yes, I see what you mean. Tom, interestingly, Tom is normally the easiest one to paint, and that's probably one of the most subtle renditions of Tom. There's hardly any mm, caricature. Got the eyes Tom. right. There's no teeth. There's no teeth. It's yeah. actually a very relaxed picture of Tom, isn't it? Mm. Mm. I think the one that looks the best though is Pertwee. Yeah. Yeah. Who's in the middle? Of course. And Pertwee would be so happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's the governor. Yeah. <laughs> this is effectively uh, the equivalent of the Miracle album from Queen. <laughs> And we'll, we will post yeah. a, we will post a picture of these two together. It's very similar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, uh, John has the marquee. So I'm, I'm headlining. <laughs> it's a great album. So, um, which which songs could you listen to? Which all soundtracks? Uh, well, now I think controversially, this included the the Sea Devils or a suite from the Sea Devils. Mm, so this yes. was very uh, you know to, to those who are used to sort of the the, the, the workshop yeah mm. Twitter stuff. That was a slap in the face, you know. It was really kind of um, yes. this sort of uh, Harry Blyton, uh, this prog rock kind of approach mm, yeah. to sort of moves and stuff. Mm. But it, it's, it's bloody marvellous. But mm. it was not what people were used to at no, the time. So no. to have that in there was quite a quite a you know a brave choice. Mm. But otherwise, it's it's mainly seasons uh, eighteen and, and nineteen. Yes, there's a lot of J and T era music there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, some of it you wouldn't particularly want to listen to over and over again, such as the Ergon Threat, which is hardly driving to work music, is it? <laughs> There's stuff like um, Cassie's Wedding and the banqueting music that I know people have uh, said to me in the past that uh, inspired them to become musicians. You know, really? that was such a, an impressive piece of work. Cassia's wedding. Well, that that's the theme tune to Greg's wedding. Yes, yes, yes absolutely. And Leisure Hive is obviously a, a, a wonderful piece of work. I mean, to have that now on the, the Blu-ray box set in 5.1, no. crank, crank that up. Right, that is just really just inspired by spine-tingling. Pulse the planets, bringer of war, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's, yes, um, it is. It's a great piece yes, of music. Peter Howell's finest hour, I think. Yeah, great piece, great sweet. Um, so that was great. I mean, the, the follow-up, um, the music too, which did include the Five Doctors, wasn't quite as um, as well chosen or well picked out. I don't. I very don't fond that. memories of that. Very fond memories of because that was my first final. Is that right? Oh, so ah. so the, Doctor, the music too. Yes, I segue. never had that one, and I still don't. And I don't have Volume Two, but it's got a terrible cover, hasn't oh, it's it? It's awful. Uh, yes, it's it's a uh, computer graphic, mm. uh, shoddy. With it has the five Doctor Who's on it. BBC Micro um, slush. But crap. It's not terribly well done. Um, but it, you have all the music from most of the Peter Davidson era, from the Five Doctors onwards. I think it's all of season twenty-one and bits of season twenty. So Enlightenment is on it. Terminus isn't. Thank Christ. Um, <laughs> uh, Arc of Infinity isn't. Um, but I remember. I remember. Getting this, and it was awfully expensive. I think it was five ninety nine from. I can see it now in my mind's eye. It was five ninety nine. W H Smith's Southport, and <laughs> badgering my mum to get it for me. And uh, I think if she knew what was going to happen, she would never have agreed. Um, but she did. She said very expensive. Oh, but please, mum, oh, it's Doctor Who. So she gave in and um, purchased it for me. And um, and then my dad made this fatal error of. Um, Transferring it onto tape for me, which mm. made it more transportable. We had a, an old Saab 9000 that I later inherited. It was my first car um, when I was 21. But uh, back in the late 80s, before I was driving, we used to go on holiday to the Lake District for our family holiday. 
<laughs> and I, could, I vividly remember it taking this uh, cassette. So we, we had a cassette player in the car, the old Saab 9000, yeah. uh, G Reg it was, and um, and so we'd have a bit of the Beatles, we'd had a bit of Don McLean, a couple of things like that. Dad, can we play this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and what was, the, what was the answer? Yes. It was. Well, they, they occasionally gave in, so it was the distinctive uh, blare of uh, Rassilon's horn would, would, would set us <laughs> off. And, and I still remember catching, <laughs> driving through the Lake District and getting the um, getting the ferry over uh, Lake Windermere, I think it is, isn't it? Going towards Ambleside. You yes. Know, and, and listening to this, and my poor dear parents suffering through it, and got to the King's Demons, and my mum's like, Oh, I quite like this one. This, <laughs> this is a bit jollier. I'm having to listen just to this awful, <laughs> rather turgid music, but I was loving it. But it's, it's parental love, isn't it? The things you do for your kids. Yes, indeed. Oh, that, that was uh, released by BBC Records, mm. BBC Enterprises. So was it, what was it called? Is it called Records and Tapes back in yes, the day? Yes, it was. That's right. Because uh, whenever I go to record shops now, I'm always flicking through the singles, and BBC Records and Tapes had their own sleeve which was the BBC logo mm. diagonally across, and then the, the label's very distinctive. It's like sky blue. Mm. I think it may be on here. Sky blue with a yellow Doctor uh, yellow BBC Chevron logo yeah. with red text. Not on that version, but that's the very early version, actually. Mm. So mm. your version of Doctor Who the Music 2, Greg, should probably have that, because I remember I was going through a record fair fairly recently and saw the BBC Records things. I thought, oh, I'll go to that. It might be a Doctor Who. No, it's Howard's Way theme tune. I'll buy it for Greg, then. <laughs> <laughs> always there. <laughs> Someone's nicked my bloody boat. <laughs> Do you know what I find? It's always fucking Nick Berry. Whenever I yeah. come across records and yeah. tapes, it's always a Nick Berry single from yeah. EastEnders or something. Or even worse, Anita Dobson. <laughs> <laughs> Every loser wins. So that's it. That yeah, was a massive hit. I remember it well. But it was on the BBC label. Yeah. Unbelievable that they were putting stuff. He sang the theme tune for Heartbeat, didn't he? That was for Yorkshire Telly. Mm. Oh, the turncoat. The other side. Mm. The other side. My first Doctor Who record, gents, is much cooler than both of yours. I doubt it, but go I, on. No, it totally is on every <sighs> level. Is that on green vinyl as well? Yes. Oh, you <laughs> so what have we here for people? This who... is really weird. Um. My dad uh, said, look, there's a really good record and video shop uh, in Jersey, in St. Helier, which has been running since the 70s. Um, and it was a video exchange shop. So you used to go in and drop off your records and your videos um, and get money back for them or an exchange voucher, which there's loads of these shops across mm. the UK now, mm. but this was like a little independent shop. And that shop had been running for such a long time, the stock they had was, was very interesting. And they used to have a really good soundtrack section. When I was about eight years old... Uh, I used to be into my soundtracks, I still am. And of course, I love that generation, as as are you, you guys, but I think at the very end of that generation, that buying records wasn't a kitsch, fashionable thing. It was just how you got your music. Yeah. You, mm. If you wanted cassettes, you'd buy tapes, which were yes. expensive. If you wanted to buy records, you'd buy records. And the second-hand market wasn't for tapes, it was for records. Mm. And... CDs were so far out of sight because I only knew one person who had a CD player. It was my uncle, and it cost mm. him about five hundred pounds for the player back then. Yeah. Uh, it was just—it was the equivalent of four K uh, disc. It <laughs> was just I ridiculous. I remember that nineteen eighty-six documentary with Richard Dawkins, where he's holding a CD in his hand and he looks at it and he goes, "This." is a compact a disc. disc. <laughs> it's the latest thing in digital technology. <laughs> but it was so far out of sight, and I thought, I'll never own a CD. No. I remember thinking that as a kid. Um, but I used to buy records, and they were affordable. 
and that was mostly down to my dad saying let's go to the record shop mm. you've got two pounds pocket money let's see what we can get was that anywhere near a uh, fine price <laughs> so it was a half a pound of, of chip steaks oh, uh, and a couple of vinyls. Charlie's talking about the world famous now <laughs> Benny's of Millbrook and Fine Price ads, which was voiced by the man who owned the shops, which I grew up with. Um, and that was I'm my local. It's my local supermarket. But uh, yeah, let's listen to one of those ads, actually. Every year, we all, young and old, are stirred by a celebration as old as time. And this company takes pride and pleasure in making its usual contribution to the spirit of generosity to which even the meanest heart falls victim and which a visit to our stores will surely stimulate. The fund of special offers will continue until January the 2nd and there will be late night shopping on Tuesday, December the 22nd and Wednesday, December the 23rd. Ben is a Millbrook and fight price. That's genuine. <laughs> and he was doing those ads from the 70s up to the late 90s. Bless his heart. Absolutely love that. For a limited period... Top side of beef, £1.98 per pound. Whole tops, £1.20 per pound. All from the finest quality beef. And all served to you in the old traditional way. Remember the names. Ben Ains of Millbrook and Fight Price, St Clement's Coast Road. Timothy Dalton advertised with brains faggots. Do you remember that one? Oh, yes. But did they have tremendous protein value? Unique and delicious. With tremendous protein value. And loved by all the families. <laughs> Bellows of Mublock. And fine price. Remember the name. <laughs> so, <laughs> what I have here is uh, a 45 uh, 12 inch, which was um, a, a big deal these days when you go uh, for record collectors and DJs when, uh, when they're playing records in nightclubs, particularly. It's always on 45s for, for mm. high quality. I asked um, the rather greasy hipster behind the counter in this really dirty record shop that my dad took me to uh, if they had any Doctor Who. And he went, right, uh, well, we had, uh, we had one soundtrack album a while ago, but there's another one. There's like, there's like a dance album uh, with a geezer's head on it. And I was just like, oh, I, but I, I, I want Doctor Who the music or something like that. You know, mm. I, was, I knew what I was looking for. And so I was flicking through my dad said, he must mean this. And there was this picture of a record with a, an alien's head on the front with space in it. I thought, that can't be it. I pulled it out, turned it over. And it said, Doctor Who, in the way that we write it on the podcast, DR Who, <laughs> uh, by Ron Grainer, by oh, yeah. the band Mankind. Wow. And I thought... This must be it. Yeah. It cost me one pound. Brilliant. Back in uh, 1990, I think it was, oh. or 1991. The year Edwin Richfield died. And it's a, it's, it's a transparent green vinyl <laughs> by Pinnacle Records, who are a disco album. Yeah. And Mankind, in 1978, released this... Uh, uh, as a cover, effectively, of the Ron Grainer theme tune right. for disco, and it did really well. I, I think I it charted. It. I remember it uh, on top of the pops. How far did it get, Charlie? I, I, I was, didn't do too. Wasn't top of the hit parade. Wasn't top ten. I don't think. But it was filmed on top of the pops. It was. I remember because because the, the TARDIS spinning from Pyramids of Mars was was superimposed into the the. Um, I think it must have been the uh, the bass drum during the performance and right. that was the tip of the hat to the, the, the series but other than that it was the, the band was performing it in, in, in the, uh, the, stu the studio um, but I remember it being you know, was it introduced by that particular destructive possibly yes. the let's shoes. move on <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a deal at the time yeah, back in 78 
it's an interesting track and actually it's pretty good um, it's, it's, it's pure disco of its time there's some lovely moog and, and, some, and some very very um, what would you call it Charlie uh, hi-hat drum playing hissing it's, it's very hissing disco hi-hat very top end isn't yes. it there's, there's not much bass a bit it. toppy um, but it's great fun and there's also a really good b-side called Time Traveller which mm. it's it's actually often a B-side to a lot of these kind of like thematic um, covers, disco versions, which are very popular in the 70s. Disco version of Star Trek, disco version by, of, of uh, Star Trek, disco version of whatever. The, the B-side will be something completely random, but Time Traveller, it continues the Doctor Who theme, but it's slightly more subtle. Um, so let's have a little listen right now. Mankind there. I mean, I think that's a really funky track. Uh, great stuff. Um, really enjoyable. And I think at the time, I'm sure it was playing in a few clubs in Soho when uh, Tom Baker would be walking around and hearing it playing from some bars as he was heading towards the uh, coach and horses. Bet he'd have enjoyed that. Yes. Not his kind of music, I don't think, but uh, in 1978, it was the bee's knees. As a, as a uh, footnote to that, the coach and horses today changes hands. Fullers of purchased horses. And that's the beginning of the end. End of an era, yes. Well, the last time we went, we asked for pickled eggs and, well, I've gone vegan now. Last time I was in there with uh, Charlie and Ollie Burton, and uh, Ollie Burton was getting very angry. Uh, uh, very uh, jealous. Uh, very angry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave it there, shall we? <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Yeah, um, the mind bottles. Ah, uh, the imagination. But uh, we used to go to the Coach and Horses all the time, didn't we? And uh, it was a pilgrimage, wasn't it? But now it's just, it's just, it's, it's a sad place. It's, it's not for we us. We sat next to a gentleman, a young hipster, homosexual who'd worked for the British Broadcasting Corporation, didn't we, Sam? That was that was joyous. Yeah, do you know that's something we might bring up later on in this season because um, yeah that was a turning point for me talking to somebody from the BBC I say talking to somebody from the BBC Greg and I were having a conversation and somebody from the BBC intervened and told us what we should be thinking yeah. oh, was it right? yes some some hipster but uh, we'll tell you the full story of that another time um, but so before th- this mankind did they trouble the hit parade were they, were they, were they big? Charlie knows Yes, we've just found out, thanks to Wikipedia, that they did. Uh, it was a top 40 hit. Uh, it was in the top. It was at 25, as far as it got in the hit parade, and was in the charts for 12 weeks. So it was did, did they go on? It was a semi great successful piece. Things. And people set, trouble them in Tesco. I think we're all mankind. I think we're one up. Oh right, okay. But that was their raising veteran show. The odd point is that two years or three years pre- prior to this, we had Bo Rap 
which was how long? Was that five minutes? Five, was minutes? five and a half minutes single? That was, yeah. like, that was like, they were up in arms about how long that was. There's a single, you can't get more than three and a half minutes. Yeah, that mm. is the limit. For, for, for tracks um, right. uh, on, on you're really pushing you're really pushing the, the space you've got on a 45 there as well aren't that's you? right but then three years later we've got this it goes on forever a 12 inch a 12 inch single um, you don't see many rock 12 inch singles from the 70s uh, rock numbers don't last that long but dance numbers do and it's because it's for the dance market and the dance market are for people on their feet for a long time pumped especially in like discotheques like Studio 54 who are going to be out for five, six hours, you know, until the early hours of the morning. You, you had to play longer tracks. And it's to allow the DJ to go for a piss. Absolutely. All oh, right. Yeah. So Studio 54, is that where they filmed the Reboss operation? Yes, that's, it's pretty close, yeah. <laughs> so that was my, that's my first final. I think I trumped you both in terms of being the coolest there. Yes, yeah, you do. the vinyls from that time were music some were really exciting if you if in christmas 1978 and granny went into woolies and went do you have any doctor who on vinyl my grandson likes doctor who the little lady behind the counter goes oh we do we have we have a doctor who record called doctor who number 19 sound effects <laughs> And, <laughs> and here we have Doctor Who Sound Effects, which is a full album of sound effects from Doctor Who. Uh, you could be the lucky winner of tracks such as The Central Control Room in the Exxon City, mm. The Dalek Hatching Tanks on Skaros, whatever that is, um, The Sutek Time Tunnel, The Interior of Zeranon, all these things, we know what these things sound like. But what amuses me most is the inaccuracies of the stories which they're talking about. So we have Metabigonus 3 Atmosphere, Planet of the Spiders. Fine. Steyer's Scouting Machine, The Destructors. Mm. Is that a Doctor Who story? Mm. <laughs> I think it is it an episode of something like the Space Museum. <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was the Sontaran experiment originally called the Destructors? I don't think it was, no. Right. To my knowledge. And then we've got things which make sense, such as Dalek hatching tanks on Skaros. <laughs> Genesis of the Daleks. And then suddenly it's Zygon Spaceship Control Center, Doctor Who and the Zygons. Okay. Oh, we all like Doctor Who and the Zygons. But then it goes back to Sutek Time Tunnel, Pyramids of Mars. Interior of Zoanon, Face of Evil. The Shrine of the Sisterhood of Khan, Doctor Who and the Brain of Morpheus. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no sound effects here from Doctor Who and Doctor Who and the Silorians. That would have been a good one. Yeah, <laughs> Morpheus monster. What I like is Distillation Chamber, the Talongs of Wen Chang. That, 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 that's a good one. That's my favourite. <laughs> mm. So presumably John Nathan Turner wasn't behind this record then. Uh, it, it's a great surprise to hear, and don't beat me up about this, guys, but uh, Slacker Graham Williams was, uh, <laughs> was behind uh, signing this one off. Mm. It's of limited appeal in terms of playback. Well, I mean, it, it is, but you, you, this is number 19, you'll notice. Of a range. There was a range of sound effects LPs. Yes, it's uh, part of that range. Horror films and romance yeah. films and Doctor Who films. What was the the the, 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 the reason for this? What was the, the market they were aiming for? Do, mm. do you know? Was it schools and colleges? I think it must be schools and colleges. Um, they 
in those days they would probably have a, a few tape recorders and certainly um, record players to play back and make their own uh, radio plays. And for that, it's ideal. All you need to do is have a, a decent DJ deck mm. where you can roll back the track and then key it in at the precise moments that you need, which is a skill in itself. Yeah. And that's the only value it has. It has no value whatsoever. Apart from one thing, I think, which is quite nice, which is the cover. Yes, it's the Bernard Lodge model, isn't it? Uh, from the, the, the title sequence, is that right? It's certainly a 35 millimeter blow-up frame from the the title sequence, which we never see on any other merchandise. I don't no, think. Mm. and it looks really good on the album cover. Um, interestingly, the TARDIS has uh, been superimposed, so you can actually see that the artwork of the police box is a different model than the one that's actually in the show. Oh, it is mm. different. It's mm. actually a slightly more. Re- Finer rendered model because one in the show has a ridiculously big blue light bulb on the top, as I seem to recall. I was saying to uh, to Greg that this does have one redeeming feature yes. or use, which is the the sound effect from bits and pieces from the Radio One Roadshow. Oh yes, back in the nineties. Which one's that one? I think it was the uh, it's the Arkham Space Gun. It kind of goes. <gasps> oh, this one. That one. Very distinctive. Yeah, it was the intro. Yeah. They play that after each intro, and then you have to sort of guess what the song was. But that's the only thing it could be used for: is making your own bits and pieces tape. Very good. Very yeah, good. Yeah, very good. And one nice detail about this, which I don't know if you've noticed, on the front of the album, it's got the the time tunnel, mm. and on the back, it's got the circular time tunnel that you had in the end title oh, sequence. Nice. And that's a nice detail. That's a lovely gesture. Lally, lally, lally. We like that. What so, else have we got? Well, there was loads of stuff on vinyl from Doctor Who. I mean, because it was the main format for people to collect music on. I think the first um, Doctor Who record out was in 1964, and I think it was a, a 45, a uh, little 7-inch um, uh, track, uh, the Dealer Derbyshire theme. Oh. And, and there's loads of stuff, and there was there was uh, singles from Fraser Hines, Roberta Tovey's oh, Who's yes. Who. Tovey, get me Tovey. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard that track, Who's Who? Yes, it wasn't it on one of the documentaries. Yes, it was. Thirty, 30, 30 years in the TARDIS. No, yes. I don't. I don't own that track, oh. um, but we can have a little listen to it now if you like. Go on. <laughs> How hard did that twee. get? How high did that get up in that hit parade? Probably mm. sunk without, without trace, I would think. Well, deservedly so. Mm. But things that did marginally better were actual dramas on vinyl. Yes. Which is good for the Doctor Who format because you get 25 minutes basically on each side of a record, which mm. is the length of a Doctor Who story. Coincidentally. Yeah. So, who remembers the first ever independent Doctor Who 
drama, oh. Doctor Who and the Pesmutons, which I have here, which I think was 1976. That's right, yes. Yeah. Hmm. So, Doctor Who and the Fish. And the Giant Fish, written by... Victor Pemberton. Correct. Yes, he's... Uh, dear Vic. He's dead. I mean, obviously he, he wrote uh, the, uh, the What's-His-Face, Fear from the Deep. He did. So there's a theme. There's, ah, there's a theme here. This is something fishy going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So who's Doctor Who in it? Uh, Tom Baker. Oh, Tom Baker. I liked him. He was, he, he was also narrating it, so it, it's oh. nicely written. In the, it's introduced by Doctor Who, and then it cuts to the drama. Have you heard this recently, Greg? Uh, not not terribly recently, no. Mm. It's, it's aged really well. Is it? It's, it's a nicely produced, I'd say, 50-minute show. I heard it again in the car last week. Great. On the way to really? the court hearing, yeah. I thought I'd, I'd better do some revision. What did so you think put, of it, Charlie? Yes, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, th- these sort of spoken word things, I tend to use them as, as um, insomnia cures because right. you get, then go to sleep. But this one is full of sh- shrill screaming, you know, yeah. really nasty screaming. Yeah, lots of shouting. <laughs> which wakes you up, you know. Um, but it's it's good. Uh, the problem I have with this is it's, it's written by Vic and... Vic didn't quite get Doctor Who, I don't think. Right. So it's a bit odd. The whole thing's a little bit strange. Um, Sarah doesn't have much to do in it. So that's what Tom going down in um, in the bathoscape or whatever to to, to look at, uh, at Zor. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's literally a sequence where he goes swimming. Yeah, that's uh, right. It's yeah. Rather rather on Tom Baker like he'd he, never take his clothes off to go into the water. And he ends mm. up singing "Hello Dolly," uh, yeah. which jars like like a. <laughs> Like at one of these pint pots. <laughs> Shall I have a little listen to that? Yeah, mm. go on then. As day turned into night, and long dark shadows stretched across cold, frosty pavements, the city became paralysed by an ominous silence. There was an air of expectancy as the bewildered people of London waited for the next onslaught by their frantically hostile invader from another world. But the Pescaton now noticeably weaker in its desperate search for salt water, had retreated into a canal to emerge later in somewhat different surroundings. The creature shuffled its way across the deserted grounds of the London Zoo, its strength gradually declining. As if drawn by a magnet, the creature's natural instinct led it towards its one last hope of survival, the Aquarium House. Here at last, the Pescaton would find the protection it was looking for. Salt water. The Pescaton had to be stopped. My favourite bit of this is, is Bill Mitchell as Zor. Yeah, he's the, good. The, the American baddie yeah. is so languid. Yeah. He, he reminds me of the, uh, the Orson Welles <laughs> advert for Paul Masson when he's half cut. Ah, the French champagne. Has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson, inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle, and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. So, Paul Masson. Ah, the French champagne, Doctor. Well, everybody knows the Pesticons is a sign of excellence. <laughs> Look into the eyes. <laughs> Doctor. Just... Doesn't he say something? Sorry. <laughs> just three, three of the minutes. Action awesome, please. Just do anything? No, it's a... sorry, Kurt. Huh? Just three actors in it, is it? 
There's only the three of them, um, but it's absolutely laden with sound effects. It's not a, a spoken, uh, it's not a read novel, it's not a spoken text, it's purely radio drama. Mm-hmm. It's really what Big Finish are doing now, ah. but without a narration. But you can tell it's independent because yeah. they've got the, the rights to the Doctor, Sarah and the, the name, and that's pretty much it. There's, they, the, mm. there's no unit... There's no. Professor Emerson is referred to, not Travers or someone that you True. could have used. It's all very generic, apart from mm. certain elements which they, they had the rights to use. It's better than some spin-offs, though. Um, the State of Decay audiobook, which I think was in 1980 and only came out on cassette, um, didn't even get the rights to the Doctor Who theme tune. Ah. It was a strange, oh, kind of like terrible synthetic mock-up. Mm. This has got the genuine Doctor Who music at the beginning mm. and the end. Who does the music, the incidental music? Is it Malcolm Clark? Incidental music composed and played by Kenny Clayton. Because it reminds me of, of Clark's stuff. It's kind of lots of keyboards, yeah. lots of moogie stuff. It's a bit like Will Malone's uh, soundtrack for Deathline. It's quite yeah. off the wall, but quite effective as well. Yeah, it is, it is licensed out. So this was with arrangement with the BBC. But oh, right. it was, it's actually pressed by Argo Records. Yeah. Uh, part of the Decca company. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Charlie, that the, the incidental music is by somebody completely different. Kenny Clayton, never heard of him before. Mm. But it does have the original Doctor Who theme by Ron Grainer. Yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting quirk, and it's something which didn't happen again for a very long time. I mean, this was like a one-off in the 70s. Never happened again. Mm. But what happened pretty much in the same decade, if not just slightly into 1980, this was a long time in development, I believe, was this... Oh, no, that was 1979. Just 79, oh, is yeah, it? Yes, yes, the genesis yes. of the Daleks, yeah. This is brilliant. Which is, you know, yes. I, how they managed to edit this down into an hour. Yeah. With a lovely bespoke narration from Tom Baker. It is. Um, bonkers cover art. It looks like it's been done by a sixth former and then hand-painted. <laughs> um, but it was a one-off again. I think there was supposed to be a range of these released. Mm. Um, did it not sell well? Did they consider doing others, but it didn't sell? Or? I think it sold rather well, but the problem was it was the, the amount of work that went into releasing right, the rights. Right. Because I think it began, correct me if I'm wrong, as it was going to be a radio adaptation of Genesis of the Daleks, so they were actually going to build it from the bottom up. Oh. And then um, they realised that was going to be too costly, so they ended up taking the original audio from the show, mm. remixing it, with a narration by Tom mm. into an abridged format, which I used to listen to constantly, but not on vinyl. Yes, but I had the cassette. I had the cassette with slip back. Yes, me yes, too. that's right. Um, I only recently picked up Genesis of the Daleks, I say recently, about 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but in terms of the context of 1979, recently. Mm. Um, mm. And it's, it's a great... It's a great hour's listening, I think. It is. It's, it, is. It's, it, it captures the best elements of Genesis of the Daleks and gives you the added bonus of Tom Baker with a narration. Tom's narration is great. You know, it really yes. just sort of it shores up the whole thing, doesn't it, really? Yes, it does. It comes moody. Well, the word you have down here is irreparable. You know, I do my homework. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Irreparability. Irreparability. <laughs> uh, there's some lovely descriptions of things. Um, let's have a little listen to uh, a piece of Tom's narration. I step from the TARDIS onto a bleak planet. All around, the ground was ravaged. No vegetation. Banks of chilling fog swirling through the air. Why had I been brought here? Ah. Welcome, Doctor. I mean, you can't go wrong no. with any narration from Tom Baker. No, no. Um, 
and this is an interesting thing which I wanted to move on to uh, really to the present day that we have now with the release of soundtracks on vinyl because in 79 they were constrained with the limitations of the format you could only fit about half an hour on each side of a disc which was mm. fine Genesis of the Daleks they managed to get it down to an hour uh, through some very brutal editing but now we're seeing on 180 gram very heavy vinyl um, whole se- seasons of Doctor Who mm. um, released uh, on, on records and I don't own any of these but I I see them on Record Store Day, which, um, for those of you who uh, have lives, is, is, an, is an event that um, takes place every year across the world where independent record shops are opened up to a fe- effectively a festival of unique um, one-off releases. Uh, that may be um, the latest rubbish single by Brian May in, in limited edition, or it may be a release of Tomb of the Cybermen, uh, all four episodes on a gatefold. Uh, now, Greg, you have a few of these, don't you? Yes, I have uh, Tomb of the Cybermen, Destiny of the Daleks, City of Death, uh, the Daleks Master Plan. Um, those are the ones that spring to mind. So, Daleks Master Plan, mm. that's a hefty set. Yes, it's, it's about an inch thick. It's like a big card case that it comes in. They're beautifully designed, actually. The artwork is very good and uh, it works very well with the story. My, my only criticism of it is that it uses the remake logo. I mean, I can understand why they do that for marketing terms. They're appealing to Doctor Who fans across the spectrum. Um, but it would just it would just look so iconic if they used the the original, either the diamond logo or the neon logo or whatever era it's from, yes, um, rather than the the new logo. It should be the Hartnell which logo. Which jars. Mm. Um, yes, if anything, preferably the original big sort of stamp logo. But I can't really imagine many 21-year-old corporates wanting to go and buy Dalek's Master Plan oh, vinyl. Galaxy 4, that's another one. Well, do sit down and play them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But not like Genesis. He wouldn't have played them to death like we did back in the day. No, no, I didn't have the time um, anymore. It's this sad thing, isn't it? I remember in the olden days, you'd you'd go and hire a a film out from the video shop, and um, if you're anything like me, you'd probably watch it once that evening and then again in the morning before you Mm. take it back. I can't remember the last time I re-watched a film. But you think that that these the stuff that's missing, Mm. you know, it's quite good to have it. On vinyl, you can play it back. Like Genesis, mm. before we were had the access to the VHS tape yes. or we'd seen it on UK Gold or whatever. That's all we had, yes. just yes. the soundtrack. That's, and we, for that reason, it was was played to death. So these yes. lines yes. have got into our psyche. And the lines that I, I whenever I see it <clears throat> on TV or, or on DVD, the lines that were in the soundtrack are the ones mm. I always pick out. My brain always picks out. Definitely. They always stand out for me. Uh, in particular, there's a line that I, I love, which you know that I love, it, which is Hilary Minster, who played General von Klinkerhoff in Lower Low. Mm. And the, the, uh, <clears throat> Sarah and um, um, Stephen Yardley, mm. um, Severin, are escaping up the, uh, the rocket, and Hilary Minster shoots his gun and goes, That's far enough, right. Come on back down here. Yeah. <laughs> and that line has always stayed with me. You know? I just can't imagine David Maloney uh, sort of uh, on, on the shop floor trying to um, direct Hillary Minster. Like, Hillary, this is, this is doing a very good job. <laughs> I think we need some more Cockney grit here. You know? so give us a bit more, come on back down here. <laughs> and Minster, by all accounts, was, was quite a far back gent. So I don't know why mm. he was told to, to deliver it like that. Gosh. That's far enough. Come on, back, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Only Burton could have played it. 
On audio, it's, just, it's so much more over the top, though, isn't it? Because there's nothing else to reference apart yeah, from the exactly, voice. Exactly. There's also the scene where the, the Doctor's being searched, but uh, the scanner goes off, which, again, like the screaming in Pescatons, will wake you up if you're trying to sleep. It's horrific, yeah. Um, and then the, this, the ring is taken from uh, the Doctor's uh, wrist, and he says, you can't have that. <laughs> and, of course, we haven't seen, you have no idea what just happened. Something happened mm. that made him go, yes. was it kicking the balls? <laughs> was it poking the eye? <laughs> God knows. So the, 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 the imagination sort of runs riot. But with the pescatons, it's all, it's all text, it's all yeah. written out, it's prose, it's designed to be spoken. Yeah, yeah. It's like Jimmy's finishes. A lot yeah. of it is kind of quite visual. Yes. But I think as a story, it is quite wordy, so it does lend itself quite well to that treatment, mm. I think. Particularly 60s the, material. The missing ones, yeah, because yeah. they're very dialogue-heavy and they yeah. don't have too many special effects, so they work very, very well. The stages and, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I did I did sort of think that when I was listening to City of Death, there's quite a lot of, uh, or, or Destiny of the Daleks, there's lots of lovely dialogue that's been polished up by Douglas Adams, but um, it's a bit baffling as to what's happening without... Lala Ward mm. chipping in to remind you. Mm. Um, and they do have Peter Purvis on some of the others. Peter's, Peter's <laughs> perfect uh, for the um, mm. for the Daleks master plan, mm. which I remember being a seminal release on CD, and even back on CD it was a hefty box set. It was... Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I transferred all the CDs onto iPod, and I listened to them on the you know, walking about or whether I was having going to bed and I'd listen to half an hour in bed, which I think is a lovely process. Lying in bed, listening to half an hour of radio is one of the nicest things you can do if you don't have a sex life. But, <laughs> um, which is anybody <clears throat> over the age of 40, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, with vinyl, Greg, it's, it's a different process, isn't it? Because to commit to a record, you, you put the record down, it's 25 minutes, you have to flip it 25 minutes. Mm. You, yeah. can't, you can't easily listen to the Daleks' master plan. It's quite an unwieldy yes. box set. So what I'm posing yes. to you is, I love records, we all love records, but is the Daleks' master plan really material which warrants being on vinyl? Well, it's a, a very interesting thought. Yes, you do have to keep turning it over. And I, um, I listen to them whilst I'm cooking, for example. So... Um, uh, you know, sometimes if you're making fresh pasta, as I do, um, you have to end up washing your hands before you can turn it over, um, and that's fine. But it's the nostalgia thing that we all go back to, and that we uh, we really love physical products. We really love beautiful mm. products that look good on a shelf. Mm. We lament the absence of good artwork and nicely designed products that you can hold in your hand. Um, I think kids these days miss out on lots of this when they live entirely in the digital age and everything's on Instagram or Snapchat and it's you know, there one second and gone the next and we like things that sustain that you can go back to that has physicality and warmth and that drop of the needle onto the vinyl it's a nice warm way of experiencing something mm. that we love that's right. We surround ourselves with vinyls. I mean, it's not just me who has vinyls. We all have vinyls here, don't we? Yeah. Well, as you know, I, I, I own a lot of vinyl, but I have no record player. Oh, right. I put mine on the wall. I have a frame for my, my sleeves. Mm. So I like to look at But you them. adore them. Yeah. I absolutely adore them. Yeah, I do. My argument always when people ask me about... Because I, I have a decent uh, player. Um, I think it does my record collection justice, but it, by no means is it super high-end. It's, it's as good as my hearing demands at my age um, 
Uh, I'd like to have slightly better speakers and amplifier, but it, it's a very nice deck. Uh, but I'm not, I'm no, by no means an audiophile, but there are many people who I know who have very expensive kits for mm. playing their vinyl with valves and everything to give that rich, warm sound which you do get from vinyl. But I think, the, like you were saying, Greg, the, the real appeal for it today is the same appeal as it was when I was a child. Is that it's the process of sitting down and listening to a record. It's something that you've held and you've put down. And it's a commitment for 25 minutes, mm. which you don't really get with CD, I don't think, because a CD is invisible when it's in the player. Um, mm, that's true. You certainly don't get it with a digital, because digital content is invisible. Um, and also, records, for me, have the same argument as theatre. Why do we go to the theatre when we have cinema? Mm. It's, about, it's about the tactile nature of seeing how it works. And listening to a record is, is for me, and this sounds rather strange, almost as close as going to a live concert because those grooves yes, are playing back the sounds right. for you. Mm-hmm. And the process is sometimes just as important as the output. Yeah. And just because you can download something off YouTube like that, or even Spotify, saying that you no longer need a record collection because everything's on Spotify. Well, if everything's on Spotify, where do you choose? How do you commit to the content? Whereas when we have our record evenings, we will li- commit to an hour of some music, whether it's Pink Floyd or whatever. Yeah, it'll be an interaction with friends or with yeah. loved ones. Or like you're saying, if you go to the theatre or go to listen to a Philharmonic Orchestra play, it's a social event as well. Absolutely. You're experiencing something with other people mm. and you can be held. There's something quite um, religious about experiencing the same emotional feelings as hundreds, if not thousands, of other people. You know, why do why do people go to Stadia to watch uh, pop groups or rock bands uh, like the Spice Girls have recently toured again? Or if you went to Wembley '86 to see Queen, why do people do that when Freddie Mercury is the size of a centimetre? Um, yeah, you do it to be surrounded by other people experiencing the same thing. Yeah. yeah, which gets off the topic of vinyl, but it goes on to what you were saying about but vinyl is a shared thing. It, yeah. About the, the whole experience. Hmm. Can I ask a question? Um, now, vinyl is renowned for being warm in the sound it, mm. it produces. It's a warmer sound than CDs or cassettes. Yeah. Now, with, with the spoken word, with the Graham Strong recordings, is it any warmer on vinyl than, than you're used to on sort of MP3? I'd say probably not, really, particularly. Given the quality of the recording. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, but it's just because it, some of it's mono as well. It's no the, different. The, the 60s. Particularly the 60s. Yes, it will be mono, it's won't not, it? Yeah. It's not particularly yeah. great um, sound quality. Um, but it's just the experience of um, yeah. the, the way in which you are imbibing the episode of Doctor Who is different. Yeah. It's about the experience. So, what do you play your vinyl back on? What's your machine like? Uh, it's not particularly good. It's not It's not as good as um, Samuel Payne's. It's by no means high end. But yeah. um, You have two, though, don't you? Yes, although one of them is uh, currently um, at the Mender's. <laughs> in dock <laughs> you have you have one very nice player which I seem to recall that was near the kitchen yes which is like a 1980s I think is it a linear track that's, player that's the best one that's yeah. the best one mm. and then you've got the other one with inbuilt speakers with which, inbuilt yeah, speakers which is, which is probably worth less than your records uh, yes, yes. <laughs> but we won't get on to that <laughs> but I, I, I take issue when Greg puts records on that player because I just think the tracking force is very strong it's damaging his records but 
darling, a tracking force of anything above seven is dangerous. Sort it out. Sort it out. Mm. I tried. I tried to sell my record player that I was getting rid of to to, to Greg Jameson, and he said no. Well, I asked Pip. He's in charge. So. And, and it was it, the <laughs> answer was no, no, no. <laughs> Greg is not for turning. Yeah. Um, so I can save you some time. I'll, I'll come round with my Brillo pad and just run them across your rip. <laughs> <laughs> a rusty nail. <laughs> Greg's got a fantastic collection of records because he gets them all for free from Entertainment Focus. And yes, can, 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 we, can we have some, please? You'd have to review them. I'm delighted to do that. I can't play them ever. Sam can do that. I have to say, covers and put them on the wall. On that note, uh, I don't own much new Doctor Who stuff on, on vinyl, but one thing I did pick up fairly recently because it's Dominic Glynn, oh, wow. and Dominic Glynn is just you know that existed. Fucking great, isn't he? Uh, it's cool. uh, I mean, it's well, like Dom. this is um, uh, the soundtrack to Survival. It's a double a double album, and wow. it's a great soundtrack. It's I can only say it's a late eighties Western Doctor Who soundtrack. <laughs> favourite soundtrack from Doctor Who. Why do you not own this? I didn't know it existed. It costs about £14 oh, well, for a it. double album. Mm. Get it. it sounds absolutely fantastic and the artwork is just beautiful. It, it's, it's, it's got the real Doctor Who logo on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a fantastic picture of Sylvester. I know it's all photographic artwork which we're not so keen on ourselves. We'd much rather see a Alistair well Pearson done. or Andrew Skilletta. Andrew Skilletta. But it's uh, but good it's, for what it is. It's good for it, and there's some great tracks on this, and I'm just going to play you a quick track now, um, just to give you an idea of the quality of the sound from this album. Fantastic clip from uh, Survival there. I mean, uh, Greg, you're a big fan of Dominic Lynn, aren't you? Well, for, for my money, the, the Survival... Um, the, the Survival score is, for my money, the the best. It's, I think it's the pinnacle. It's my favourite incidental suite out of the, the whole classic era. Yeah. I, and he did um, Dragonfire as well, which is awfully good. Terrific stuff. 
And was it the Happiness Patrol? Is that one of you? Yes, it was. Yeah. That's again just just absolutely terrific. I've, I've um, a, a very dear friend of mine who works in um, the music business <clears throat> called uh, Matt Stewart. A very kindly uh, get. I get lots of things for free. It's very nice. Um, but gave me this. He <laughs> gave me this big TARDIS with all the CDs in it of uh, from the. the Music over the, over the, uh, over the so I, I, it's on my iPod, my my phone. I listen to it quite a lot. I have that too. I, I, I paid money for that. Ah. <laughs> I'm told that it will hold its value, so hang on to it. <laughs> I, yes, I, I'm very much uh, yes holding on to it. Uh, naturally, I only play uh, discs one to seven. Yes, the rest just stay in their cases. They're, they're untouched, yeah. unsullied. Only my mind was sullied by them. Oh dear. Well, you know, you can sullied, ignore. sullied. But you know, the, the, I tell um, you. <laughs> Doc 2 survived. Uh, this is what I really appreciate about the, the vinyl revival, is that in 1989, we would never have got the full soundtrack of survival released on vinyl at all. <laughs> Lucky to have had a, you know, a highlight from JNT at that point. So to have a double vinyl of Dominic Glynn's probably best soundtrack, even though I think his soundtrack for Trial of a Time Lord is outstanding better. as well. Yeah, I was going to say, Trial yes, of a Time Lord, but he got better. I think. His stuff from McCoy is even better. Not to say that Trial's bad, but he got strong. better. It's great. Mm. Brilliant. It's really yeah. good. And it continued, because um, going slightly back in time, but uh, in terms of vinyl, um, one of the earlier uh, Doctor Who records I picked up was through the Doctor Who Appreciation Society um, through the newsletter that used to release called is it Dominic Temporal Services Limited it used to be like this company that Andrew Beach used to run mm. and they released um, uh, a single called Doctor Who Variations on a Theme yes and there was four tracks on this uh, on this uh, 12-inch single, uh, Doctor Who the Mood version, the Terror version, the Latin version, and then something called Panopticon 8, the Regeneration Mix, which was something from, very a, familiar. from a convention. But uh, Dominic Glynn uh, scored a version of the Doctor Who theme, which is called the Terror version. Ace. Oh. It's absolutely brilliant. It is. It is. And you can't help wondering, and I played this over and over again, thinking what the future may be when Doctor Who came back. This is pure orchestra it's outstanding music if you think the, the likes of Murray Gold have brought John Williams to Doctor Who, think again because this is Dominic Glynn basically reaching the apex of his Doctor Who uh, composing what would have happened I don't know but pretty much the liner notes on the back of the record from John Nathan Turner effectively signing off as producer of Doctor Who congratulates these musicians and thanks them for their work Mm. We can only imagine what 1990 would have been like. Mm. Should we have a little listen to that track? Perfect.
thematic. Super yes. stuff. Outstanding stuff. And that sort of March sort of theme is, is similar to them again. Sort of yeah. the movie theme. It's the way it was going. Maybe they maybe they maybe they ripped that off. Yeah. But it's, it's so much strong. it's superior it's very in strong. every regard. Oh, yeah. But I have this record, but I don't have the limited edition. You have the limited so edition. So what does yours look like, Greg? Well, they were off they were flogging them at a convention, it was probably Nebula ninety or ninety one, <laughs> they had a whole box worth. Yeah. And I think they were going for one of them was going for two pounds and one of them was going for three pounds or something like that. Really? It's cheap as so, that. I think there's a version which is white rather than gold. That's right. So that's the, right. this yeah. gold embossed uh, limited edition one uh, you have. I have the one that's just white where the gold is. So right. I remember saying to the chap who was flogging them, so what's the difference between the two? Well, that one's limited edition. <laughs> <laughs> what's different about it? About 50 quid. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's gold embossed on the front. Like, I'll, have, I'll have the white one, thanks. <laughs> oh, you cheapskate. <laughs> the funny story there, Greg, is when I bought mine, I think in 91, 92, mm. these are the only ones they were flogging. Right. So the, the non-limited edition ones are probably rarer than the, limit, the limited edition. I, I think I paid about five quid. Right. Uh, which back in the day was a lot of money. But you think about it for a record now, it's nothing. Yeah. I was glad to get it. I've, I've played it and played it and played it. Yeah. I've, had my, I've had my money's worth out. I still oh, like, like Tom Baker's uh, biography, getting one which is unsigned. Will cost you more to get one that is signed. <laughs> <laughs> They've all been signed. <laughs> oh, it's oh, good stuff. It. It's good stuff. And of course, on this serialised in the Daily Mail is the is the debut for one of our favourite pieces of music, oh, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah. Is this uh, Kef? It's the Latin version, arranged, performed, and produced by Kef McCulloch. Kef on forty-five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hook, hooked on Kef. Yeah, twenty-four the... hours non-stop Kef. <laughs> it's quite a long track. I think it's about seven minutes. Very Latin. It's a very Gloria Estefan. I feel. Lounge core, and we use it on our on our soundtrack. Yeah. It's great stuff. But we've been talking about vinyls for quite a long time now. I think we should just shift away from uh, the world of sound for a moment and return back to the world of the visual appeal of the cover art of Andrew Skilleter in the Mind Pro. Oh, let's see what he has to say. You are authorised to use the Mind Pro. What? The Mind Probe. No, not the Mind Probe. You're um, very closely linked to Doctor Who, and, uh, oh, and, and we, we, we certainly grew up with um, getting for birthdays and Christmases various of those hardback books with your illustrations in them and on the covers and, and so on, and, um, and Backlight, which was one of them, was sort of a, a celebration of your, your Doctor Who artwork yes. as well, wasn't it? And how, did, how did that come about, that particular book? I, I think by that time I was I'd kind of worked through a lot of work and I think I there was always talk of art books I mean W. WH Allen wanted to do an art book of uh, their target artists but they would never get round to it I mean that actually gave <clears throat> all my originals back to WH Allen for that purpose it's very strange now but you've got to remember that um it's not thing, but it wasn't that easy to get really good copies of artwork in the eight, in the seventy. Uh, sorry, it would be the early eighties, right. and um, you had to take uh, get them photographed in a five by four transparency, which was a repro quality transparency, and um, and those are the things that exist now, and you, you they can be they can be now scanned to very high resolution. And we can reproduce from them, mm. but uh, but if those don't exist, there are a couple of uh, there are quite a few. Well, I don't know how many. A number of target covers 
that don't exist. They, the originals are gone, vanished. Mm. There's no transparency of them, no copies of them. Mm. So they have gone off the radar mm. in a way, mm. which is a shame. It is. Yeah. So, but anyway, to get back to your point about black light, I, I just felt that it would be fantastic to have an art book, and I thought I felt fought very hard to have it just myself because I've done all these different areas. Mm. No, I've done everything from you know the BBC exhibition for America. I've done targets. I've done VHS. I've done books. I've done posters and merchandise, and so I I pitched it to. To Peter Darwell Evans at the time, who you probably know was very instrumental in managing the whole Doctor Who list. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, that's pretty well known, I think. You know, and he was a very good guy to work with. And um, and um, and I, by the skin of my teeth, I managed to pull it off. I think I think another six months, and it might have vanished because it was going to go ahead. I got distracted、mm. and left it lying there, and I just came back to it. And I think I just about got it through in time <laughs> because I think that was almost like '95 by the time it came out.、Yeah. I think we were beginning to get into a sort of,、um, you know, Doctor Who publishing was starting to fade away a bit. Yes, especially would change,、mm. yeah. and I think the BBC was pulling back. Yeah, pulling back its rights, wasn't it? Yes, it、so、was that sort of era. Yes. Entering、yeah. into the doldrums years, yes. But we, and because it was a funny odd time, wasn't it? Because also、oh, digital was increasingly establishing itself,、yeah. and that was affecting all of us, my contemporaries, in terms of our careers. It was、mm. taking a lot of work away.、Yeah. Um, some artists gave up or moved to Portugal or or whatever because、mm. some artists were just living off. Cover artwork, for instance, and that、yeah. vanished. That, yeah, that yeah, used to be yeah, a massive yeah, thing, yeah, and it just、yeah. kind of almost for a while、yes. until they got real. It kind of almost became、uh, an extinct art. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a real shame when those,、um, like on the, the the videos, for example, the the cover art just disappeared. It just became、um, quite a quite a sort of cheap Photoshop job of.、Uh, A, think, a stock photograph yeah, think, and a swirling image and things. I think the departments in 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 the, the publish all the accountants or probably、mm. the accountants thought this is fantastic. We can knock up these things, and I think they were saving themselves something like fifty to a hundred thousand pounds a year on artwork、oh, in those days you know, by、yeah. by doing this. And、uh, of course, it's、mm. devastating、yeah. for a lot of the agents and artists.、Okay. That's where my breadth come come in because I was always shifting. I, you know, I was doing books. I was doing this. I was doing that. So, you know, the cover work may be far and few between, but I was trying to do something else at the same time. So,、yes. but it was very, very difficult.、Um, certainly,、um, we all suffered. There's、yeah. no doubt about it. Well, we we fans were very glad to have these books and you know get them for Christmas, and they embellish our bookshelves、yeah. still. So we're glad you did it and.、Um, There was a lovely note on your、um, uh, website that you received from John Nathan Turner, who is the, the producer, who said how much he'd、um, enjoyed the book. And um, um, yeah, that so was that, he he was in the wilderness, you know, because yeah, yeah. He, he suffered as well in that、yes. sense. And、uh, yeah. so he was very gracious not、mm. to be, you know, to say that because he could have felt a bit bitter or a bit、yes. whatever, you know. And、uh, mm. but he he was always. 
I remember the first time we met in the, in the pub just near the doctor offices at Shepherd's Bush. Mm. And I told him, I showed him some Star Wars stuff I was done, um, laminated that, said, I would like to do this sort of thing with Doctor Who. And then he gave it the nod and then that led to BBC merchandising. And then, because nothing, as you know, as a consumer, nothing much was going on in no. the... Uh, late uh, early 80s mm. we had the celebration coming up the anniversary coming up mm. and even even that I mean even uh, I was disappointed with WH Allen because I thought they might be uh, mm. doing some special projects that were visual you know visual projects yeah uh, because they weren't doing anything I started the, the who dares thing with the poster prints you know yes yes yeah which is still going now so so good <laughs> which, idea. Which we did it. We did it long at Longleat, and that gave it a fantastic push. You know? Oh, excellent! <laughs> and then they ended up because of the American exhibition. You know, the um, trailer that went over. That led to because um, I worked started to work quite a bit with BBC exhibitions and um, uh, Julie Jones and and um, and others and. Um, and that led to kind of regular orders for these um, laminated prints. So they would probably more got over to the States mm. than were ever sold here. And I may say, I have them on my bedroom wall even, even now. Um, but they were wonderful. <laughs> I had the whole great. set and they were great. So thank you for that. Yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> well, we did put a lot into it. Because mm. I remember Mike Brett, the art director of Dubbage, and saying, why can't we have why can't you do our covers like that? And of course the answer was really that I I had a I did them much larger and I just spent an awful lot of time on them because I could. <laughs> and, and and also because I had the freedom to do what I wanted to do. Whereas with the novelizations you were kind of obviously had to follow a certain brief. And it was hardly any reference, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, so, you know, I, I had to struggle early on. The early '80s, the first half of the '80s, was awful, really, for lack of reference. Right. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Well, we, we wouldn't know that sort of thing just having grown up taking them, the books, uh, the covers, entirely, entirely for granted. Um, do you have any personal favourites, considering, uh, you know, all? Uh, I think. I, I think. I think the target ones. Uh, Power of Kroll mm. would be one. Again, that's the one that's missing, original's missing, oh. and and the um, transparency's missing. Right. But I have re I have digi digitally recreated it to look as if it's an artwork because right. I thought it was worth doing. Because yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. I like it a lot. Mm. And um, uh, Time Monster, Gunfighters. Yes, yes, um, yes. But there are quite a few like that that are kind of more, I would say, poster, more high-impact images. Yeah. And uh, some were, were are nice in themselves. There's quite a lot. I mean, it's in, I liked Enlightenment because I was just unlucky, unlike some of the artists. Um, I think all the ones Chris did, he could just put, they could have the Doctor on, but mm. I was in this era that they were... It was like, oh, just occasionally I can have a doctor, but not very often. Right. You know? And it's that again was to do with copyright fees, agents, mm. whatever. 
Yeah, it was a strange time. They, they ended up putting like a little picture of Peter Davison within the logo yes. for a while, didn't they? <laughs> for example. But... You tried everything <laughs> and the photo covers with him. Yes. Yeah, Dire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could have been from any story. Um, yeah. Could have been, a shame. <laughs> they could have been almost some of them. It almost looked like an air, um, a travel brochure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was thinking of the one with, what was the one with him and an aircraft? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah time flight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, shocking. It, it, does look, it does look like an NHS pamphlet, a few of the covers. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Ark of Infinity is pretty much sort of cut out with, uh, with scissors, isn't it? But, Awful. So, yeah, shocking. Tragic, really. When you think um, of all of the artists, I mean, you yeah. know, the, some of the best ones, you know, I mean, Roy Knipe and Jeff Cummins, like, we'd all put a lot of work into... Um, into them again. I think those two were lucky because they were able to get doctors in. It was just like it seemed to me. I arrived at a time when suddenly Tom, you couldn't really have Tom Baker on. Uh, I, I, I got a number in, yeah, yeah. but up a certain point, yeah. that was it. You know, because <laughs> he is a great. My favourite, probably ah. my favourite doctor. Oh, okay. Friend. I was going to ask. Yes, because that's our. Um... I love. Question, I but... like. Although I'm going back now, I, I think Hartnell was outstanding, yeah. and um, and 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 of course you know uh, Troughton, mm. and I think in modern times I think possibly Tennant, right. possibly David Tennant. Yes, well, we um, we only talk about um, the old series because we're all footy duddies now. Yes, so we, good we, for you. We, we, <laughs> we, we just stick with the original stuff, so um, no throat clearing about tenant is required on this podcast. Um, that's that, that's 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 what uh, um, what's he said? Um, yeah, I mean it's what it's what Chris said. You know, we're we're. Um, What's the right word? I, I can't get the right word at the moment. Hmm. Not not vintage, but we're hmm. um, yeah. But anyway, it's uh, the, um, the proper yeah. stuff. So yes, I mean my I've done work for the new series, and um, and uh, some of it's not so well known because two books I did were largely in America. So that was oh. about five years ago, hmm. something like that, four or five, six years ago. I did a couple of books for American publisher, right. very fiercely right. illustrated, but one of which was entirely digital, well, right. almost entirely digital. But I didn't get the same satisfaction from doing it. But I think it's partly because the market now, because of time and the fees, you almost have to do it <laughs> because you can't spend that long on the artwork and 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 make any make a living out of it. You know, I think uh, some people, which I'm not entirely against, you, you know, you can do a little bit of finishing in Photoshop. I mean, I've done that. I did a I did a John Nathan Turner, the new edition of the John Nathan Turner biography for uh, Milk, and um, and I did a he wanted a. Uh, uh, a really sort of um, tasteless cover of of John Nathan Turner. <laughs> and it's I very colourful. It's very colourful cover. <laughs> yeah, I painted it digitally right. to what he wanted. Yeah. But I did then um, put a little bit of enhancement in in Photoshop. You know, just mm. because I could, and it, there didn't seem to be any point in not doing it. But I think there's a, a there's a corrosive thing about digital that when you're trying to work in both, digital can be a little too easy. It's like mm. it's like it's 
you know, it's a little bit trickery. It's it's not really necessarily that easy. And there's some brilliant practitioners out there, but but it it is uh, it certainly does can replicate a tech very quickly a technique that may maybe you've spent ten years developing. Mm, you know, yeah. and you can do it in ten hours or something less. Wow. You know. Right. Yeah. But that's life. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's bloody computers and technology for you. Um, yeah. we, we it's did. like it's like it's like the music. You know, they've got they they can if someone's singing out of tune, they can twiddle something, and they, yes. they're singing in tune. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, well, we'll all be replaced by robots before long, anyway. So uh, yes, I can see, um, I can see it's all there. Yes. <laughs> yes. The teaching profession, you name it, firefighters, whatever it is. Uh, yes. We did have a, a, a final question about vinyl, which um, uh, uh, Sam has been uh, itching to ask um, about uh, the, some vinyl covers. Was it? Yes. Did, did Andrew? Did you do the cover art for one of the records? Or uh, sadly not. Sadly not. Because oh, no. there, there is there is a cover which I've seen, and it seems to be imitating your airbrush style. It's a picture. Could be. Which one is it? It's the it's the theme. It's just the basic theme tune LP oh, right, forty five, right, right. and it's just the console. But it looks so much like Andrew's work in terms of it's airbrushed and very technical. Oh right. But no one knows um, he's done it. Right. Oh, is it? So it's a, a Doctor Who mystery. Mm. Well, we've it's not. It is that. Uh, the only connection, of course, they've got is is that when uh, when they started reissuing the audio. With the target covers, mm. they every now and again they come to me and say, "Have you got the you want the original artwork for whatever?" And I supply those, and then they end up on the CD covers, as you as you know. And yes. um, they're using all the original mm. from you know for a range of our, our, us target artists, mm. and that's quite good because they do pay for that. Oh, great! <laughs> so, yes. so, so so I'm still making money from the from the 1970s or <laughs> 1980s. <laughs> Yes, that's quite yes. nice. Yes. Uh, so that, that that's mm. quite good. Yeah. yeah, but it's nice to see them on there because they have to, they have to try and make them work in a sort of square format. Yeah, and it's reaching a whole new audience as well, isn't it? So that's which. Yeah, is maybe I don't know so. whether the people who buy them are just those who know the. But of course, I I know from my people who commission me, I get some really quite younger people, mm. you know, in their thirties and mm. and stuff, and so they have. They have sometimes retrospectively discovered classic mm. Doctor Who yes. and other classic uh, stuff, and they are so enthusiastic and knowledgeable about it, mm. as much as you would be. It's yes. incredible. Yeah. It's nice. It does. It does carry on, and it goes on to the to the next generation as well. Can so, I, ask, um, I think. Yeah, I think some of the new stuff that's going on with Doctor Who now will turn people more perhaps to to look at the classics. That's my hope. Sorry, Charlie. Andrew, sorry, may I ask about the Radio Times cover? Was that quite a thrill for yeah. that commission? It must have been quite exciting at the time. Yeah, that was great. That was, I think, John Nathan Turner enabled that. So he 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 kind of got the Radio Times to get in touch with me to do it. Uh, John, John Nathan Turner, I mean, there's been so much said about him, but at the end of the day, he was, he was such an enabler and mm. supportive. Uh, in so many ways, because I had to clear artwork for calendars and goodness knows what else, and they would all go through his office one way or another. Mm. And he and Colin, the very Colin Baker, was they were very, very helpful because Colin Baker knew David Banks, obviously, mm. you know, yeah. and and of course they all connected with John 
Yes. You know, and I think that's how the Radio Times cover came about. So I was quite lucky. I think they more or less produced. When the producer then said, we want Andrew Glitter to do the cover, I don't think they were going to argue. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, because you couldn't really argue. He had a, he had a lot of... Uh, you had, had a lot of clout yeah. in those days, you know, well, a lot of individual clout, you know. That's and, good to uh, hear, because of course uh, Paul John's been been gone for well, 17 years now, and uh, so he's he's an enigma. But um, we, he's an we, enigma we grew because up you almost think his era well, of the show. Sorry, uh, we grew up with watching his era of the show, particularly uh, exactly. me and Sam. So exactly. he, he, it was his stuff that got us into the show in the first place, and then we went and rediscovered and the old stuff. That's right, and I think you know it was a mixed, mixed bag. I mean, you know, he did certain things that were that were kind of I didn't like, but he he was basically um, when I was plunged into it, he was um, basically we got on very well, and he would enable me to you know to be at the studio and enable me to be on the location thing, and I could have actually, if I'd been the type of person who who wanted to, I could have got probably more involved and in, in, and got more opportunities to go to studios and things but you know frankly I found my workload is very demanding you know in the end of the day illustration then was it was it was it required a lot of a lot of physical labor I mean mm. it's it bums on seats you know if you didn't you know you couldn't just do it ad hoc you know you had to sort of uh, put in the long hours yeah. to do it and I think that applied to most illustrators uh, sometimes you'd have a weekend to do something in sometimes you'd have a week sometimes you'd have two weeks mm -hmm. but then again you might have three or four jobs on the go Gosh, yes, and you, yes. you're managing yourself all the time yes. and there's no one else to manage you unless you've got an agent if you've got an agent that I find some of the other um illustrators they they were almost um how can i put it their their agents were almost like their mothers you know <laughs> <laughs> they, they, right. wouldn't, they, they, they wouldn't be able to cut it outside the uh, mm. outside the uh, the nest <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, interesting yeah but it's all about juggling schedules isn't it it's rather different than the nine to five office job but uh yes. that's, that's part of yes. the yes I, I did crazy hours and you know because at my peak, I suppose, the thirties, my thirties, and uh, you know that was you do, you are, you are able to do it, but as time goes on, you do less of it, and I'm quite pleased to see the end of the um, a long time back. I think uh, the all-nighters and the um, all that stuff. You know. <laughs> Well, I hope so. it's uh, some way to sort of repay that to say that um, as fans we still have all the books and the, most of the, um, uh, certainly the large hardback books. That yeah. Have. Videos, I've kept the sleeves but mostly slung the, the VHSs I'm afraid. But, yes. Um, but your, your artwork lives on so uh, so we, we still enjoy it to this day in our collection. So all those yeah, well, hours I, of growth. what I get so, I find so rewarding. I mean, I, I, I find people are coming across and, they're still saying we loved your work on that time, and it's 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 it's, it's a really is a great privilege, you know. Right. It really is. I love it, you know. So, uh, not in an egotistical way, but just just nice to know that all that stuff. I I have to appreciate that it was so much more than me just finishing a cover. In, in those days, it was so little, and I know that 
you know, so many people look forward to getting their Target books. Yes. You know, the latest yeah. one. Yeah. Because there was nothing else. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's right. Uh, and, and remains hugely nostalgic as our sort of gateway into the old stuff as well, to Hartnell, Troughton, Pertwee, Tom Baker yes. for me, you know, because I started with Davison, so it was our gateway into to all of that. Ah, oh, right, so yeah. that's, you started quite late. <laughs> yeah, I was a Davison boy, he's a Colin Baker boy. You remember I'm Tom? Tom. I'm Tom Baker. Yeah, Tom Baker, yeah, so we, we, span, a, we span a decade in age range. Right? Yes, 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 we did, Tom because again a great character but a <laughs> difficult act to follow really very oh, difficult yes. oh, yeah. but I did I watched them all all the way through and um, I, I think it was only see I love I love um, 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 oh god it's gone, it's gone now I love that I, I love the kind of some of the later era but it was just that by that time it was Doctor Who was floundering and mm. it was sort of um, didn't seem to be in a very happy place and uh, whereas I think you know when the John Nathan Turner first started it, it was there were some real classics made and, and yes. uh, you know and it was mixed from there onwards and of course I did actually watch the very first Doctor Who, you know, so oh, I did watch yeah, it on right. a very old TV. I think we just got TV in the house, right. my parents' house at that time, and it was on a big old box that took a while to warm up. But <laughs> um, I did see the first one, mm. and I think I watched it there on, uh, uh, as and when. I, can, I, can't, I can't really be sure exactly what happened, but um, so, you know, I'd always had a great affection for it, and... Mm. Uh, and uh, but when you get mixed up in it as much as I was in the eighties, you um, it does blur the line between um, enjoying something for its own sake and then being a something that you're actually involved with professionally. Yes. You know, because yes. it wasn't that the kind of cold face with the television, like the yes. actors and stuff like that. But you once removed, yes. it was still. A professional connection, you know. Oh and yes, yes, and part of that sort of Doctor Who family that did, um, you know, conventions yeah, and yeah, and tours yeah. And I, and I, like I did that. a few conventions and stuff mm. in those times, and I, I didn't go out of my way to, to get all that. I mean, I wasn't that sort of person, and you know, mm. to go and get lots and lots of uh, go around the circuit and stuff like that. And as I said, time was the yes, yes. time. Time was an element. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you, there you were watching William Hartnell back in 63, and here you are painting William Hartnell, sort of, now for the uh, the Dr. Omega Chronicles. So, yes, you know, all those yes, years later, these things come I forget circle. when I've last done him for a professional. I, I've had a few commissions involving him over the last seven or eight years. So, um, yeah, he's, he's been around, <laughs> and there's, there's something, um, there's, uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, I, and we've just... Who Dares is just going to release a, a new art card set called Exterminate, which was just purely Dalek, classic Dalek stuff. And we've there's a, a little sort of reimagination of an image there. It's all traditional artwork by me, but it's been put together in a certain way. And so that set will be coming out probably any day. Oh, so that, that's a, 
that's a nice little they're, they're these sets with them little laminated folders and yeah. a, uh, a5 i don't know if you've seen them but they're, they're nice little sets and they're very affordable so they're well we'll, we'll point out when this might probably go out in a couple of months but we'll we'll point our listeners to uh, your website is it um is that the, the domain yes name? that's the one Okay. Yeah, so they should check it out there and uh, at Andrew Skillizer on um, Instagram. Instagram and also, of course, my main, I've got two Facebook pages, but the main ah. one is um, is the uh, um, is the art page. But it doesn't really, you know, it's, I can't remember the URL offhand. But it's uh, it'll it'll be there. <laughs> so so that that's the one where I try to post the news and stuff, you know, and, oh, great stuff. and updates about any of my work. Right. You know. So okay. Well, we'll certainly um, point people in that direction. But it's been absolutely fascinating and a, a real privilege to, to speak to you, Andrew. And um, very very grateful to take up an hour of your time on a. a um, very nice and sunny Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I didn't know it was going. On. I didn't know it was an hour. It's just gone. Oh yes, well. <laughs> there was so much to talk about. That's yes, the trouble. It's, it's, it's on because I was doing it for what was I doing it for? From about seventy nine to about ninety six. So it is a yeah, lot to a get long, through, isn't it? Long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but well, no, well, thank you for, for your interest. I mean, it's been great, all three of you. So, uh, thanks, uh, so thanks very much. Okay. Uh, thanks, so Andrew. Speak soon. Bye bye. You are authorized to use the mind probe. What? The mind probe. No, not the mind probe. Well, thank you very much to Andrew Skillitzer and Greg for arranging that interview. Yes, good one, Greg. And uh, also it was um, David Banks who put us in touch. So thank you to all. David Banks, yes. And it was very interesting to get some insights there from Andrew about... uh, the mysterious cover art of that vinyl. Yes, uh, interesting. I, I honestly thought that was his work, mm. and it certainly wasn't. Yeah. I don't know who who was yeah. behind it, but it, if he will put it on the uh, social media, it looks just like Andrew Skillet's style. Mm. But then again, in the early eighties, airbrush was the thing. Wasn't mm. it? It, was, right. it was the style to go for. And also hearing about um, working with JNT there as well, and a couple of other little nuggets that were very interesting behind the scenes. So it's lovely to hear. These stories about John actually giving people opportunities, which... Uh, indeed. Well, he used to do that with uh, up-and-coming actors, didn't he? He was always very keen to give people their first art. Or, indeed, directors and so and on. And writers, too. Writers, Artists, too, yeah. musicians, mm. Dominic Glynn, all these always people. get it right. No. You know, it's, it's fair to criticise where criticism is fair. Mm. Like um, yeah, Glenn McCoy's script for Time Lash, for example. But, yeah. You know, but the ideas were good. Mm. It just didn't quite Given work out. Yeah. So it's lovely to hear hear from Andrew so thank you very much indeed um, going back to records as we're wrapping up um, we have um, the sound effects album and we'd like to give you now our top tip sound effects of oh. the Doctor Who Yay. sound yes. effects album please <laughs> and here we go the top ten Doctor Who sound effects bit of number ten the Mandragora Helix it's that old favourite it's the Tesh gun at number nine Number eight, what else could it be? It's the Dragon Ray Gun! And number seven sound, Test Gun, Face of Evil. At sexy six, it's the Zygon Spaceship Control Center from Doctor Who and the Zygons. Split your thighs for five as the TARDIS door opens. Hey, Chef Shadio, at number four, Distillation Chamber, the Talons of Wen Chiang. At number three, watch those beams, it's the Wind Mine Machine from the Robots of Death. And at number two, 
It's the one you've all been waiting for, Inside Doctor Who's Mind. And another one sound this week. Crow, Disorientation Chamber, The Android Invasion. Oh, God stuff. Do you know that's an old favourite, that one? <laughs> I could listen to that all day. Oh, yeah. And I frequently do. All day. That's the whistle test passed. But you know, there's one record that's still in my pile here. And I've had this, it must be 30 years now. Do you guys remember this? Rather strange. Mm. The Time Lords. Exciting. Doctor in the TARDIS. Mm. Yeah. What, what number did that get to? Number one. It was number one. Gracious for, for me. For a number of weeks. Yeah, was it 89? I think. I remember the video. 88. They, just, 88. they had the, the card in it and it was like Daleks made out of wooden crates. Yeah. <laughs> and the car was knocking into the wooden crate Daleks. Yeah. Well, you see, before um, the, the VHS deluge, we thought that that would mean a video, which would mean clips ah. on top of the pops. Yeah. It didn't happen. No. Uh, disappointing. The licensing's rather strange on this, though, isn't it? Because it's Time Lords as one word. Um, TARDIS, they've just got about got away with. But there's yeah. no mention of Doctor Who. It's not in capitals, the TARDIS. Um, but the, the liner notes are hilarious. May I read these out to you? Because it's, it's obviously the KLF yes. that produced oh, yes. this under an assumed name. Mm. Uh, Anybody under the age of 30, uh, you can fuck off because you don't hear the KLF are. KL- <laughs> KLF, cheap flights daily to Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> OK, here we go. JNT did not sign this copy off. Dear Punter, the name is Ford Time Lord and I'm the leader of the group. You're most probably wondering how me, a Yank cop car, is now a local Essex boy making records. I was born in Detroit in 1968. My father worked for the car people there, but in 1970 he got promotion. It meant the family relocating to Dagnan plant in Essex, England. <laughs> I grew up always being the odd one out in the junior parking lot and on the runs to South End, but my looks got me cameo and character parts in movies that were being filmed over here. Superman 3 was my biggest break. <laughs> I fancied my chances in the music game because I know that people I knew what people wanted to hear. So, I mixed and matched some tunes and we all that we all know and love, got some mates down and made this record. Sounds like a hit to me. <laughs> Success and fame, I can handle it. I've got more going for me than most of the cardboard cutout excuses for pop stars around at the moment. I reckon I could be an all-round sh- all-round showbiz personality, host my own chat show, or something like that. <laughs> Yours, Ford. Wow. Um, when you open the record and look at the sleeve, it says, probably the most nauseating record in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, KLF. Yes, we loved it. Wasn't it something to do with Gary Glitter? He came. Yes, part of it was. It was basically it was a. Um, a it was a. A mishmash of Blockbuster by the Suite and was it Rock and Roll Part Two? Yes, it might have been. Yeah, Rock and Roll Part Two by yeah. Gary Glitter. Yeah, right. and he came in on. They did it on uh, Top of the Pops, and he came down the stairs. He fell down the stairs. TC eight, and said, "Do you love? Did you miss me? Do you love me? Not really. Yeah, no thanks. Yes, that fall and then quite a mighty fall later. Yeah, he was meant to be in Spice World, the movie. Do you remember the Spice? Really? Yes, and they. They actually filmed it. They, they filmed his his bits, as it were, um, <laughs> <laughs> because they they still sing in it. No, no, no. They, they still sing. Do you want to be in my gang? My gang, my gang. That and that is still in actual in the final cut of Spice World. But they cut his bits out because 
Well, just notices that the the label on this record when I picked it up uh, from the second hand shop, um, one pound fifty. Bargain. I had a sort of the six inch version, which is the single, I think. Yes, I got the same. Mm. Okay, I don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I think it's quite easy to find, but um, uh, we're probably going to go out on this. So, wow. For those younglings who are millennials that were born in the year two thousand or whatever it is, here, here's a treat for you. It's uh, the Time Lords. Doctor in the TARDIS, also used uh, to top and tell the documentary um, for the making of Silver Nemesis. Oh, really? Yeah. Same year, wasn't it? Same year. So it was a. And as that's playing, did any of you guys remember the the live that we had? Oh, let's try us again. Millions, millions, and millions. Hit hit me, baby, one more time. We established it was um, William Hartnell. Yeah. You did. You did a very good job of that. So shall I, shall I remind you what the, the line was? Yeah. Millions of people secretly believing. Think of the immense power of all these people combined together. Makes this place become a reality. So it's not a historical. It's definitely like a hard... Well, you know, Doctor Who, when does it become historical? Mm. Is it the Ark? No. Well, I'll oh. give up. The Aztecs? No. Oh. It's set in a point in time which has now become historical. Oh, so it's set in the near future. Is it the war machines? I'll give you another clue. Oh, not um, Time's Planet. No, it can't be. Millions of people secretly believing. Think of the immense power of all these people combined together makes this place become a reality. I'll give you a clue. The year, I, th- I believe the year... That, that it is set in was the year it was released on VHS tape. Oh, it is a heart now. 1990s there, and it is a Terry Nation. Hmm, Dark Invasion of Earth. No, it can't be. The Chase. Who's saying it and when? It's, it's Doctor Who. Just saying it to, I believe, Barbara. Oh, yes. In episode four, Journey into Terror, when they're in the uh, arcade, the, the Terror arcade ah. of the chase. Oh, yeah. And mm. he believes that it's actually the assimilated thought of many people bringing back Dracula and Frankenstein. Oh, God. But it's God. not, it's a fun fair. I've never In 1993. 1993! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 30th anniversary. Oh, God. Oh, well, there you go. Yes, well done, Sam. Yes, you beat us. I beat you. I beat Buddy Bloody Windrush. Well done. Beat you, cock. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And again, huge thanks to Greg for talking to Andrew Skilleter. Well, huge but, thanks to Andrew Skilleter for talking to us. And it was a lovely chat. Um, and, uh, please do visit Andrew's shop and pick up some of his prints. I will Andrew's be picking up a copy .com. of uh, Five Doctors poster. Ooh, That's my next purchase you, from Andrew. Well, it's a lovely piece of work. Mm. So he's, he's now got limited edition prints, I think. Of the... I saw you had your Genesis of the Daleks on your wall. I do. Uh, yes, the VHS tech colour. It's great stuff, isn't it? Mm. So It's been lovely, hasn't it, talking about books and records these past oh, couple of weeks. Things, things you can hold in your hand. Those are my days. Yeah. Mm. Um, Coming up in the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll be talking uh, for the last time to David Banks uh, and uh, talking about Iceberg. Oh, yes, that's a cracker. And after that, gentlemen, it's the end. But the moment has been prepared for. Ah, I feel my my body is wearing a little thin. (laughs) 
It's far from being all over, or is it? Unique and delicious, with tremendous protein value. If you enjoyed listening to that twaddle, you can follow us on Twitter at DW Menagerie. That's at DW Menagerie, and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing. Doctor Who is copyright of the BBC. No infringements on copyright are intended. Support Doctor Who by purchasing DVDs and CDs and all other media from the BBC. Any comments made by the complete menagerie, <laughs> almost, are all our own. You've been listening to a Sixth Floor production. Hacious Daddy-O, at number one... What what number? Four. Four. Hacious Daddy-O, at number one... Four. (laughs) (laughs) Still four. And the number one sound this week... Kral, disorientation chamber. And another one sound this week. Kral, disorientation. Inspired by that same French excellence, it's fermented in the bottle and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. So Paul Masson.